Welcome to another episode of Locked On Women's Basketball. I'm your host, Ben Dahl. It's been a while, but that's okay. The college basketball season's here. Going to try to have some episodes on a semi-regular basis, kind of covering some of the big national TV games and try to hit on hit on things in between that games we've been watching and try to view things through a little bit of a WNBA draft lens as well. And one of my favorite people to bring on to do that is Eric Nemchuk of Swish Appeal. Going to have him on here first talking South Carolina, Maryland, and then discussing some of our favorite teams, or teams were not favorite, teams are most excited to watch this season. And then uh, kind of the same thing with a few prospects, just rattling off a couple. And we ended up bringing the same names up, and you'll find out who those names are shortly. And just a heads up that did have to go back and do a little bit of editing uh, on this on this episode to cut out some background noise. Mainly, mainly my fault, so I don't blame Eric. But let's get right to Eric and our episode. All right, and joining the show, we've got Eric Nemchuk of Swish Appeal. And Eric, it's it's been a long time since he's on a podcast. How are you doing? It has been a while. I'm I'm good. How are you, Ben? I'm doing well. It's exciting to have a big college game on TV as as we did today, which is where we're going to start. Where uh, South Carolina beat Maryland 63-54, and just painting with a really broad brush, just you know, what were your or kind of the, what was kind of the big thing you took away or noticed from this game? Well, I mean, on a macro level, uh, Debbie Antonelli said it. She said defense is ahead of offense usually at this time of year, and I wholeheartedly agree with her. I mean, we saw a lot of very sloppy offense today, uh, especially from Maryland. I was, to be honest, I was kind of disappointed. They didn't really seem. I mean, headed into the game, the story was, oh, you know, the, the South Carolina draft, uh, or sorry, uh, freshman class. You know, they're they're really talented, but they're inexperienced. Um, I think they totally out-executed Maryland today on, on both ends of the floor. Yeah, Maryland's going to, I mean, the, the really big picture thing is, like, Maryland just need to, needs time. I mean, both of these teams aren't going to be anywhere close to what we're seeing right now. And I think that, I think that's a really interesting kind of, uh, I guess kind of angle with 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 the college season this year, where I think like last year, I think it was like really obvious, like all right, these are like these are like the best eight teams. They're gonna be the best eight teams, and like that's what we're really looking at when it gets down to it in March. And this year, I yeah, I'm sure some people like kind of have that top tier carved out, but I think there's kind of like a lot more mystery with kind of that next group of teams, and just in terms of like a team that maybe there might not be as many people all in on that might kind of elevate themselves and Maryland's like ranked number four right now. So obviously like it's, that's not like a shiny example, but I think that, I think that general idea kind of comes through. Yeah, I agree. And and that's a good thing. I mean, you know, I, you want to go, go to the whole point of, you know, Oh, UConn's ruining the game of basketball. Well, basketball will be okay this year, I think. So I think the big, the big player, like the big player performance that stood out, obviously was Aliyah Boston, just, commanding the area around the basket she finishes with 14 seven and five blocks and she had a two very emphatic blocks of uh, her fellow high profile freshmen uh ashley wusu and uh diamond miller of maryland uh each got him each once as they kind of went in went in on her around the paint and just i think that's you know that that's going to be kind of the the theme of this south carolina team is just they have this awesome presence in the middle of the paint and that's gonna you know set a really high as as we saw today it's gonna set a really high floor for them yeah uh Aaliyah Boston my god talk about a, a good first impression that's I I know I heard she uh 
recorded a triple double in her first game, but you know I, I didn't see it. And you know non conference play can be kind of noisy with those sort of statistics. But uh, she did it against a very strong opponent today in Maryland. Um, she completely shut down the paint. I was really impressed, and not just with the shot blocking, but her positional defense in general for a freshman in her you know like second game. I was really impressed with it. You know Maryland, they couldn't really get a, a, a heck of a lot going in the paint. And that's even when she wasn't blocking shots. She was still altering shots and, and uh, deterring, you know, paint opportunities. So I, one game, sample size, obviously not very large, but I'm extremely impressed. Extremely impressed. Yeah, and, you know, she it, calling it a good game for her might be a stretch because, you know, she was three rebounds and five blocks short short of that mark. So we'll see. But, uh, like, kind of tying in with Boston, you know, I just think – yeah, you know, there were just possessions with Maryland where it's just it it, it would have been it would have been you know a little more fun if and just you know frankly good for them if they probably would have tried to challenge her a little bit like Awuzu had went in for left hand layup early in the first quarter and between her and Kyla Charles like they didn't you know it was like they they and and Debbie Antonelli was all over the whole you know no win to not over penetrate but i mean that duo you, you, i think you just you you wanted you would have wanted to see them try to challenge her a few more times because you know when they kind of tried to get into that 15 foot range obviously like a wusu's looked really good getting into that shot you know prompting a a, a chelsea gray comp from rebecca lobo which is easy to see at least you know the mannerisms and whatnot but you know with the with those two kind of getting into that range it would have been nice to see him challenge Boston a little bit because, as, as you mentioned, like positionally, one thing she did a good job of was you know she didn't overcommit to the idea of them pulling up. But then when they made that decision, she really got up, got up in there, and really made those some of those looks really, really contested. She moves well, and you know the thing about Kyla Charles. What I what I wanted to say, you know, later, but I'll just say it now. She didn't really finish that well. You know, I, I'm used to seeing her, you know, of course, granted against Big Ten opponents, um, getting to the rim with ease. Uh, you know, finishing through the contact, getting fouls, uh, getting drawing fouls. She was throwing up a lot of uh, contested layup attempts that, that that fell short or went wild. I don't know if uh, you know the officiating was doing her any favors, but that, I was I was impressed with South Carolina's interior defense. You know, they they, they did get her. You know, Debbie Antonelli Antonelli uh, talked about this. They isolated her on the elbow a few times, where obviously no one is going to be able to stand in front of her, but. Uh, South Carolina adjusted, I felt, and made life really difficult for the uh, future WNBA draft pick. Yeah, and I think one one big thing to get to here is is that one of the other big Maryland freshmen, Zoe Young, and then Shanice Lewis, who started at the point for them most of last year. Like those two didn't even play at all due to injury, and that like their their like their guard rotations be really crowded, even with Charles basically, you know, being there for. And, you know, that, that prompts me to bring up, like, Taylor Mikesell finished 0 for 5, 20 minutes, didn't play at all in the fourth quarter. And, you know, I'm, I'm writing, I kind of wrote about her in something I have coming out soon, but it was, like, this whole idea with these freshmen is, like, you would have thought, it, all right, it'll take the pressure off her to create, and they can really even get even more out of their shooting, which they're probably going to need. And, like, I just kind of wonder, like, was this decision, like, just because the ball didn't go in the basket, but also, like, it kind of speaks to like if you bump Charles back up a spot, then it's just like gonna be really hard to to find minutes for everybody. It is, uh, and I guess you know that's that's probably a good problem to have moving forward. But at this point in the season, like we said, it's Maryland does have some things to figure out, and that outside shooting that's 
they were two for 16 from three. That's uh, obviously South Carolina. That's not something you'd expect from them. They were one for nine from three, but Maryland, they really need to get a shot to go down and they just, they just didn't do it. And one, one, like one more player that I just really wanted to bring up uh, was Shakira Austin. And I just wonder like, especially seeing her against Boston, like there was one moment where like she tried to shoot a turnaround jumper and just got totally, you know, bumped off course. And it's just like that, that quote that Freeze gave last year about like how we want to turn her into this future number one pick, it was just, it just, it all felt so premature. Like I just like let's, uh, you know, I, they need to get to a point where she's just showing what she's really good at, consistently on the court, and they're not there yet. You know, and she was a player who I, I noticed in the Big Ten tournament last year. I, I went to Indiana. I was like, wow, you know this this girl. She can she's she's tall. She's long. She seems to have a lot of talent, but you know. Potential is one thing. Seeing it through is another. Uh, I, I can maybe see what Brenda Freeze is saying, but you need to learn to walk before you can run, if you will. And I think she's still kind of in the earlier phases of, you know, executing the fundamentals and playing within herself. I, I think she's she's got the talent to be there, but today is a game where they really could have used her, and she was just not not a factor. Yeah. And and I lied. I do have I do have more players I wanted to bring up. Uh, for South Carolina, Zach Cook in the starting lineup, I think she just has a nice. Uh, I don't know if I, I'm looking for a different word than swagger right now, but you know she just has this. Uh, I mean, I guess you would say yeah, yeah. Just you know the way she carries herself. I think that's, you know, I think that's really that really bodes well. I think, you know, I think some of the plays she made, especially in the first half, there were like two that stood out. I think she had one, you know, one pass she set up Boston, and then another little short jumper she had. And that kind of made me wonder, like, you know, if South Carolina can kind of become this team that is more than, you know, more than the sum of their, you know, three-point shooting, so to say. Whereas, like, you know, like, you look at the, you know, you look at the, you pull up the page, and it's like, all right, you know, who shoots threes? How many do they have? Oh, do they not have enough? And I think, like, seeing plays like that, you know, it's, it's just a couple, but I just, you know, those kind of made me wonder, like, you know, they, you know they're going to play, they're going to walk it up. You know, they have this center who can really like dominate the game, and if they have guards who can kind of excel, you know, making those really tough tough plays like in the tight quarters, we might expect them to see. Then I think that you know they can kind of they'll they'll go beyond just you know the you know me being a nerd looking at you know how many threes they're making. Ugh. Watch the game, nerd. <laughs> but uh, especially like on the South Carolina side, did you have anything else that stood out to you that you wanted to get to? Uh. Not particularly. I mean, the one thing that I that I really wanted to point out was the free throw attempts. I mean, they totally dominated Maryland, uh, phys- uh, physically speaking. 30 free throws to 12. That's something where if Maryland, they weren't hitting their threes. And that's something that I feel like, you know, South Carolina was going to, looking back on it in hindsight, they were clearly the more physical team, um, the stronger team, the team that was better on the glass. They got 54 rebounds to 38. I mean, that, that's another thing, but... Free throw attempts. I mean, that's one thing you can do if uh, if you aren't shooting the three ball well. Everyone will say, "Well, if your jumper's not falling, get to the free throw line, get to the rim, draw some fouls," and uh, they did that. You know, there was a little stretch of the game where I think the refs were letting them play some ninjutsu defense out there, but uh, it really slowed down towards the end of the fourth quarter there, and that's where South Carolina I think was able to hang on. They did draw those fouls. Beal in particular, she went to the line twelve times. So uh, yeah, that's if they can continue, they play really confident. You know, it seems like they already know what their what their strengths are. So if they can continue to, to uh, develop that, yeah, I mean, this is going to be a fun team to watch. 
Yeah, and I'll say, like, uh, on Diamond Miller, Miller, just really quickly, like, the 4 for 12 looks a lot better if just one or two of those threes go in. You know, so we'll obviously see see there. And, you know, she's a really, a really tantalizing athlete, but, like, it's, you know, you can see right away, like, she really needs to tighten up her handle. But even still, I think there were some... Well, we'll see We'll yes. see that in the Big Ten. We'll see that yeah. in the Big Ten conference play, though. Because, you know, yeah. defense is not uh, <laughs> sort of somewhat optional in the Big Ten. And Maryland, I think they'll be able to kind of uh, get out and run a little bit more. And again, this is a time of year where teams are still figuring it out offensively. And I, I have no doubt that these talented freshmen are going to uh, going to get their money's worth. Yeah, and then but then Awusu was, was just really impressive, I thought. I mean, being able to get you know, into that pocket, you know, around 15 feet and just hit that shot, you know, it's just going to be something that, you know, you, it's, you know, like it's, it's the one thing like your teams probably have to concede. And if she can really make enough of those, that's really going to put people in a tough spot. And then throughout the game, there were spots you could tell they were trying to post her up and they finally got one in the second half where she, I mean, just was just really easy. I think it was cook on her and just, you know, she's going to overpower people in there. So I think that's, you know, like you said, like having all these options is a good thing for them. And I think, but I think a Wusu, it's like, I think what we're already seeing, it's like, she's definitely going to be like a, like a primary option. They're going to want to play through. And that's obviously a nice thing to have, which can hopefully alleviate some pressure on, on Charles and Mike Sell. But then, you know, the three of them just are going to need time to kind of figure it all out together. She's a good compliment to Mike Sell, isn't she? Because she's got that, she's got that size and that, that, that uh, mid range and low push game to her. Yeah, so that's we uh, we've covered that first kind of hope high-profile game of the season. There'll be uh, Tennessee Notre Dame coming up on Monday. We're recording this on on Sunday after that game, but we are gonna transition to more of a kind of some preview, some college preview kind of stuff. We we're gonna first gonna, we're gonna start kind of covering some teams that we just thought were interesting, and bounce back and forth, and then kind of do the same thing for some prospects. Because Eric recently wrote a nice little primer with some with some with twenty draft prospects that you might want to know. But let's start with the teams. And Eric, I'll give you you for your first pick. What's the what's the number one team you're going to be biased for this season? Oh, biased for? I I, I didn't realize. This I, no, I'm just <laughs> I'm just pointing on you. No, no, no. I uh, I'm as as everyone knows, I am completely one hundred percent objective. But um, I, the first team, like I, I can't help but say Notre Dame, considering they lost basically everything over the uh, over the summer and it's not just losing people to graduation it's losing your entire starting lineup to the WNBA draft and that's a lot um you know one thing i wanted to mention uh fred morland from flagrant stats which is a which is a great handle by the way um he did a little uh, a little team ranking based on vorp value over replacement player and he said, uh, "He said I'm going to be laughably wrong on Notre Dame, but this is what the data says. He ranked them 133rd out of every team in the country. And I think that's you know there's there's some noise there. Like he ranked Cincinnati 10th, so that's 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 another thing. But speaking to speaking to that, it's Notre Dame lost so much that it's it's kind of impossible to say from a a statistical standpoint, a statistical viewpoint rather, what they're going to be looking like." Obviously, they've got a Hall of Fame coach. They're always going to get good recruits. Um, the little high school, the little high school basketball I watch, Anaya Peoples from Danville, is pretty good. But that's the only thing I know about this game, uh, team. So, just seeing if this program can transition somewhat comfortably from 
a championship level era to you know hopefully remaining competitive and i think like measuring them with a metric is the tough thing because people's in san Bernal are probably going to be the two most important players for them who are obviously freshmen so you're not and there's nothing there right yeah yeah there's nothing to go off of so yeah yeah i mean that's that's obviously a big one and just to see you know again it's like i think you know they're one of these teams too where it's you know they're gonna be you know ranked in that conversation probably you know at least for a while and what they're gonna be you know february march could be so far removed from what they are now with a lot of those teams you know maybe below those teams that are seen as obvious contenders which i think makes maybe more than some other seasons makes this makes this year really interesting all right and i'll jump to one of the teams that i'm most interested in seeing and it's i'll keep this short because i'm going to write about them a ton being on the pac-12 beat but i mean i think stanford it's just far and away it's just there's so much there's so much there one like they're not going to be a team they're going to be a team i'm going to have a really hard time like turning off even when they're blowing somebody out because there's just like i've i think i've said it a couple times now but like they return nine like actual rotation players and then four freshmen you know it's, you're talking about 13 players who like deserve to play on a really good division one team so seeing that play out is obviously going to be so interesting and then you know what the freshmen really add right away you know Haley Jones and Fran Belibi especially even Ashton Prechtel uh, kind of kind of given them if she can kind of give them some of the shooting that they lost from with uh, Alana Smith graduating but I don't want to ramble too long on them but I just you know there's so much to figure out with them there's so many different you know ways they can go they can close big one game they can go small the next and I think that's that's just gonna that'll make it even more fun just on a game to game basis. And you know, for them, I, I'm looking forward to watching them too, just because I feel like it's been a while since Stanford, you know, legendary program, obviously, but it, it's been a while since they've been in like the top five conversation, if you will. And if they can get back into that conversation with uh, this nice mix of of upperclassmen and, and very talented freshmen, what what were they ranked in in recruiting classes, like second or third or something like that? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, something like they're, that. They're up there, yeah. But, you know, with Belibi and, and, and their other freshmen, that's it's going to be a lot of fun to watch them develop. I'm, I'm all for watching young teams develop, and out west, that's that's definitely what I'll have my eye on. All right, let's go Let's go back to your next team. Who you got? My next team. Okay, um, I'm going to go back to the ACC, uh, NC State. And that, this kind of ties into Notre Dame um, not being, like, completely invincible anymore. I, I shouldn't say completely, but uh, I – my question for them is, you know, is this the year that they can challenge for the, the ACC title? Uh, Louisville is obviously still up there, but with Notre Dame kind of in flux, uh, NC State, they've got Grace Hunter coming back from injury. I think that's a significant piece. And it just feels like a team that has been on the cusp of something really great for the past few seasons. You know, they had that, that like Cinderella year a couple of years ago um, where, you know, they came out of nowhere, it seems like, and... Uh, and they've just been building upon that since, but they haven't really been able to take that that next step. So this is a big year for them, I feel, because the window in the ACC is open, or as open as, as it has been uh, in recent years. So if they can maybe uh, you know string a few big ACC uh, games together, I believe Antonelli had them as a way way too early fourth seed on the broadcast today. I, let me know if I'm wrong on that, but I think I think she had them as a fourth seed prediction. So yeah, I think they could do better, honestly. So the ACC, it's got the reputation of being, you know, oh, the most competitive conference, the strongest conference. If they can run that conference, I'm, I'm going to be really impressed. And I think this is the year that they'll be able to do it. 
Yeah, and, and you know, it's I think I think like Alyssa Kunain is like a name that should probably be up there and hopefully you know, hopefully she's recognized, you know, nationally as like a you know, kind of destination viewing for low post play. I you know, I I don't know, you know, where she stands with most people, but you'll probably see a pretty good mix of shooting around her and that's that'll be a fun team to watch for that and I think Louisville almost ties like right in with them as an interesting team, right? Like are they gonna play are they gonna be like a team that's only gonna lose, you know, like one or two games in conference right away, or are they gonna kinda take some lumps along the way? Yeah, that's that's really interesting because it's like is you've got Louisville, you've got NC State, and then eh, you know, like like I don't know. So it, the the games between those two teams could very well determine like you know, where teams are seated in the NCAA tournament. So that's definitely something to watch for. All right, my uh, my number two team. I'll be even quicker than with Stanford, and uh, it was another one of the top sixteen teams Debbie had in there. She had them as a four. Arkansas, like it's just I'll, like just like the really short version. I know it's basic, and you know people who are watching games here already know this, but like Chelsea Dungy can score the hell out of the ball, and you know that's like you have to tune in for the for that kind of player, and you know it's it's really as simple as that. No arguments for me. All right, you got a third team lined up? Uh, I do not. Do you? I wrote down Mississippi State as my third. That's a good one. That, that's a good one. Yeah, and it's I think I think in a way they you know I think you know varying on the person like they might almost be underrated, especially for like kind of a hybrid you know college WNBA viewer, you know you know one like you know the way they pressure full court you know, the intensity, like, that they really pursue with their man-to-man defense. Like, if you want to see, you know, you want to see, like, some of the really good potential prospects going against them, like, you're going to get to see them play against, like, a real man-to-man defense, which is obviously adds, like, an exciting angle. And, you know, just, like, you know, the people who, like, I think at some point, I think a lot of people probably get sick with, you know, seeing teams sitting in the zone. Um, So you don't have to worry about that. With them, and obviously they have, you know, one, they have, like, a recovery angle. You know, Chloe Bibby getting back on the court is obviously really exciting to see coming off that, that ACL. And, and then, you know, Tierra McCowan moving on to the WNBA. What, you know, what will this defense look like without, you know, 6-7 right in the middle of it? And they uh, they, they started in the first game. They started their freshman, Rakia Jackson, and then they have uh, Promise Taylor, the transfer, who's also probably going to be, next in line kind of getting those minutes so just seeing you know one seeing all right what do they look like without you know a, a mccowan level presence in the middle and then how do those players actually do you know filling it filling in and filling out those 40 minutes it's 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 a lot easier to be aggressive on the perimeter when you've got like one of the best shot blockers you've ever seen right yeah yeah that is true <laughs> so that was just a, a quick look at just kind of trying to hit on some teams and you know our our approach throughout the season will be to lock in on some of the big games so we'll you know we'll cover you know the college game at the team level plenty but now we'll uh we'll move on to hit on some prospects and the uh the assignment was we each were tried to try to each uh come to the table with two you know players who are kind of definitely seem to be considered in that first round range and then not necessarily a sleeper but you know maybe a late first or second second round kind of player that is also really interesting to us so uh, i'll give i'll give you first pick here again all right i get first dibs um i'm gonna go with ruthie hebert 
out west for Oregon. Um, she's got, and I'm I'm okay. So I'm a little biased here because uh, early mocks have her going to my Chicago Sky in the in the first round of the draft, which I wouldn't be upset with. Um, our good friend David Siegel says uh, he sees a lot of Jillian Aileen in her, uh, which is you know it could be good or or bad, you know, depending on how you see it. Uh, but you know she's she's a great role player with UNESCO, obviously. Um, although that's, I mean, when you talk about pick and roll players, I mean, you, you don't really want to play with anybody other than Sabrina UNESCO. But if by uh, chance she gets drafted to Chicago, uh, she'll fit right in with Miss Vandersloot. Uh, she's just so yeah. Do they do they have do they have a good pick and roll guard? I'm not. Sure. I don't know. We need to we need to wait and see. Um, I heard there's a pretty good one playing over in Russia right now with Brittany Griner and Emma Mieseman and <laughs> another WNBA All Star team, but we'll see. Um, but like Ruthie, she's so efficient rolling to the hoop. She makes two thirds of her shots, you know, and that's, that's not that easy to do, even if all her shots are layups at the college game. So, um, what I'm looking for her is specifically, is she a system player or no? You know, like is, is she just a product of, of, of a once in a generation point guard and a ton of outside shooting, really good uh, system. Or can she function, um, you know, will she be able to function at the WNBA level with similar effectiveness? She's not the biggest post player, but I feel like if you're looking for a, a role player, there's there's not going to be many better players in the country. So I'm really looking for her to take that next step, really show some professional potential. I think she's a first, if you do the draft today, she's definitely a first rounder. But uh, it's just a matter of where in the draft she's going to fall. Yeah, and uh, and I had Ruthie too, so this is mm. you're get a you're getting a double, a double helping here on the on the Ruthie Hebert podcast. But um, I I think with Ruthie, one interesting thing is that you know I, I think you're right. Like I think I think you can say that she is a really good finisher, and for one, you know having seen like that USA game, you know I think one like nice little thing that you saw from her that you didn't necessarily see a lot. Uh, the last couple years from her was like we saw her a couple times like trying to like get into like a dribble handoff and then just just pull the plug on that and just drive hard to the rim and she got she got Sylvie Fowles once on that she beat Syl off the dribble but yeah that's that was impressive yeah Yeah, got her in there once to score it and and then another time where she just drew you know drew a foul on the floor obviously obviously Syl fouling was a was a big uh, subplot in that game but I think you know what you're saying to the system thing. I, I think it's interesting. I think I I don't think I'm as skeptical really of that part because when you're talking about Oregon, you're really just talking about you know I think one of the beautiful things with what they do is like you know obviously like you know Sabrina is what like drives it all. You know they're not you know they're not this dynamic of an offense. They're not you know this level of a contender. All that stuff without her, but. You know the great thing about what they're doing is they're, you know, you're really getting a snapshot as that's probably like as close as you can get really to the pro game, right? You know, it's four it's four round one, heavy pick and roll, and you know teams have to sit in a zone against them a lot. But if they don't, they're just going to get totally picked apart. As even you know, this limited and creaky version of Team USA did uh, uh, the other night. So I think I think with Ruthie, like one. I think the interesting question is like how many, how many kind of tricks does she have up her sleeve? You know the, you know to be at the free throw line and be able to take two hard dribbles and go score it, or like we saw a float or two in that game where you know, 
against a big center center if she's the roller you know can she consistently hit that shot so that you, you know it's not as big of a problem when she's guarded by a bigger player and she can finish before they even get back into the play that that will be huge and 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 on defense too what, what do you think about her defense i think that's the i think that's probably the biggest question ultimately i mean yeah well i mean one just what do what do WNBA people really think her position is right like if she and and you know the and and you know for some teams like the positions don't matter as much you know if you're you know if you're talking about you know if Natasha Howard is your five and if she's gonna spend a lot of time on the perimeter well then you know who's really the four who's the five there you know I think I think Ruthie's probably a player that's gonna have to guard fives um but you know, I think, you know, I think you're really looking at her as more of like, you know, somebody who's probably like going to be a, can be a pretty good bench player, you know, relatively soon. So I think if you're, you know, if you're viewing her more through the lens of like plugging into a starting lineup, I think that gets a little scarier because, you know, I don't think she totally, you know, she's not going to be big enough to guard the big centers. And then, you know, she's not really the player that's going to be chasing all the stretch bigs around and containing people off the dribble. So I think she's kind of in that, you know, I think she could be, she could be like this era's crystal Langhorn almost. Right. I think that might be like an interesting comp. That's yeah. Except without all the, the, the bad long two pointers. Right. Well, not the, not the, uh, awesome, like awesome ability to like fake three different times and pivot and like still score. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, not yet anyway. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that's like almost the way, I've been looking at her as like, and just, just like, you know, in the sense of like, you know, should be a really, you know, really nice cog to be able to put in your offense and, you know, defensively this year with Oregon, you know, Kelly Graves has talked a lot about how they're, you know, they want to take more pride in it. And, you know, they obviously want, you know, you always want to get better. Um, So maybe we see them lean even less on the zone. So maybe you do get more looks of her, you know, defending, defending her own matchup against maybe some good post-up bigs, but also just, uh, you know, how she defends ball screens, guards in space, all that stuff. And I think this will be, so if, if, you know, if they end up doing that, I think this might be the best year yet. Cause the other thing with last year too, is late in the season. Like once she got that, she went down against Oregon state, you know, she wasn't, you know, she wasn't close to a hundred percent. So it was also tough to really look at her through a critical, with a critical eye. That's got to be the, the the matchup we're looking at her again uh, again right Oregon State with all their size. Um, as far as like the number one matchup, I don't know. I think I mean I think that would have to depend like how good how good Oregon State's size actually is. I think we have to kind of wait and see as far as that goes. I mean I want to I want to see him play Baylor again. Oh and yeah, that's the <laughs> that's the you know that's the big one because I think like the. Like it's it's it was it's so interesting looking at all the post players in a season like last year where you know the two people you know Kalani and Tierra are the two people at the top of the mountain and they're you know they're in the hundredth percentile in terms of being big and strong in the WNBA so like when they're when they're playing in a college game you know it's just like so overwhelming and like an interesting part of that Baylor matchup was like even if Ruthie was at full strength last year in that Final Four it's like well, well, it's just it's not the the Oregon offense we're used to seeing game by game isn't the same because you know Ruthie w- was 
Ruthie like was a checkmate for so many teams because they just couldn't guard her one on one in the post anyway. But then Baylor, it's like, yeah, you're not going to throw it for her to necessarily go one-on-one against Kalani Brown. Uh, I, I see what you're saying. Right, right, right. Yeah. So that, so I think that's like a like a big picture landscape kind of question too. Like I brought up like Kunain at NC State, like who, you know, and Baylor's obviously going to be huge again, and that's going to be like, you know, one of the <laughs> – but it'll be interesting some of these like, you know, players that aren't, you know, quite that size, you know, how – when it really gets down to it, elite eight, whatever that range, like how, you know, how might how might one of them be able to dominate and push their team through? Whereas if they ran into McCowan or Kalani next year, it probably wouldn't have happened. I guess I would say. All right. So is this the Ruthie Hebert podcast now, or can we talk? Yeah, about signing more? off. We'll be back next week. More Ruthie Hebert. Um, <laughs> all right. I'll go since you stole mine. I'll I'll go with my uh, second player. I think. It's, you know, for me, it's Joyner Holmes. I just think... Are you serious? Is that who you had, too? That was yeah. my second player. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, like, the, you know, those those top four, the two, you know, Satu and Kennedy Carter's early entries, like, obviously, those are, you know, pretty clear-cut for everybody. So, I think we're we're kind of dipping into the, the same range here. And I think, I mean, Joyner Holmes, it's just, like, you have to pay attention because somebody that fluid at that size who clearly has some ball skills and you wonder, you know, if, if a little bit of it is, you know, maybe can the context help her out a little bit versus just, you know, looking inward and what she can do on, on her own. But, you know, she's got a, a whole nother season here to really, to really put some stuff on tape. And it's just, you know, there aren't a lot of players, like I said, just built like that as kind of like a true, you know, the true size before. Yeah. And she's the ball skills. That's, that's the one thing I, I look at with her is, is she can get out, she can handle it, she can pass it. Um, I think that's she's been known for that since high school, if I believe, if I recall correctly. So uh, that Joiner, she's got to show me something this season, though. She she's she's really talented. Nobody's denying that, but I feel like she has yet to really um, establish herself as a consistent, dominant force at the college level. Maybe it's one of those instances in which she's going to be a better pro than a, a collegiate player. I, I don't know, but. Uh, you know, maybe another step forward in her basketball IQ, maybe a more consistent outside shot. I think either one of those things could help her. But I mean, the, the talent is undeniable. Her her size, her frame, and her ability to handle and pass the ball that's it's not uh, it's not debatable. So, a pretty toolsy prospect, I would say. Um, but if you're, if you're talking about late first round, I, maybe a team like Connecticut who's got two late first round picks, and may, maybe needing a post player, they could take a flyer on her. Uh, We'd have to see how the season develops, but that's definitely someone I'm going to be looking at taking that next uh, next step as a prospect. Yeah, I mean, I you I think you know who wouldn't love to see her kind of go to school in Connecticut and just follow Alyssa Thomas around, right? You know, just there's so much there's so much there that you'd love to see her be able to absorb. But yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, you mentioned the shot. I mean, that's there's some Joiner and Kyla Charles are two pretty big, you know if they can shoot or how much can they actually shoot players. Right. I mean, that's, that's, that's in a way like, that's really, you know, I, I'd be surprised if like, if, you know, this, this top four really shook up, obviously just depending on those early entrant decisions. So like, I think really, if you're, if you're get, you, you could like kind of start to say like the draft starts at five. Um, if, if you're assuming both of them come out and then I think that those are two names that like began to get really interesting where, you know, how much, 
how much can they actually show that be that'd be an interesting question for like a gm survey is like you know how much some of these players in that first round range like how much could they feasibly actually rise if they did all the things you want them to do you know provided uh the gms are actually taking the survey yeah that 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 that's that's the other that's the that's the first gm survey is is did you fill this the fill the other one out <laughs> the first question are you actually a GM? one question survey okay so right, so um yeah you stole mine so uh what, what are we at now so we got the the third one that's just kind of the late first or second rounder or oh or... hang on hang on hang on one one thing i wanted before we uh get off the get off track i kind of want this little sidebar if neither Sabali, uh, Sabali or uh, Katie Carter, if neither of them declare, who are your top four? Yeah, that's tough. So are we are we doing this like big board style, or are we doing it knowing what? No, just, no, just just big board, big board just big style. Board. You see, if they do declare, then there's no there, there's no uh, no question. They're both top four, and I agree. So yeah. what happens if they don't? Oh, that's a good question. Um... I'll give you one, Sabrina Ionescu. Okay, who's your next three? <laughs> <laughs> well well and, and yeah and lauren cox is too so the oh yeah another okay for those next two um that's a really good question i mean mom mom premier is gonna be there for people i'm sure i'll go i guess i'll go mom premier three and and uh bella allery four interesting okay so i i gotta play ignorance on this i have never seen bella allery play so i think the what am I looking at? What am I looking at? I think at? the thing on Allery is like one, like yeah, if you tune into some of these opponents they're playing, you know, she's posting up, you know, a five eleven center. So like they if you're like you know, if you're catching Allery for the first time, like that's one, it's like, yeah, try to try to pick a an a big time opponent if you can to get a really good look at that. But I mean I think the yeah, I think the whole thing with Allery is just, you know, she's she, you know she's you know about six four, so I think you're looking at her as you know four that can shoot it. Definitely a, a really nice skill level there, to where she can get down to the post. She can put it on the floor a couple times, make a decision. But is she, you know, in a way I think she's probably like a more. She's probably gonna be like a more high profile version of Morgan Birch, last year out of UC Davis, where it's just like, at the end of the day, it's just is she big enough? Is she going to be able to add enough to her frame where she's strong enough where, you know, if she just, if she steps into the pro game, is it just going to be too overwhelming where, you know, she won't even be able to get all the way to the rim and just, and, you know, defensively, is she just going to, is it just going to be too much for her to hold up? So I think there's some pretty big questions, but I just think the talent level. I mean, my question was, uh, are these rebounding and block shot numbers, you know, are, are they because of, you know, size and athleticism or just because everyone else is five foot 11? Well, I mean, the, the, I mean, the, the athleticism, the second part, I mean, she's not some, she's not some killer athlete. So, yeah, I mean, I would, who's a good, who's a good current WNBA comp. Um, even just like, as far as her role goes, um, this is excellent radio right now. But, uh, <laughs> oh, it's great. Uh, very professional. Only the best. I think like Marie Gulich would be a good one, right? Like, it's just like, all right, like how, you know, she's not super strong. You know, obviously Gulich is probably still viewed as more of a five, but, you know, she's, Atlanta's using her, you know, when they stretch her out a little like they did this year. You know, some lineups you might view her more as a four, but I think that's like a good kind of body athleticism 
kind of comp, I guess. Okay, well, I apologize for uh, for hijacking the, uh, the the pod schedule. Let me get back on track. Uh, my my third kind of player who's you know maybe in a position to, to rise, maybe sleeper, not really. Uh, we start with play today, Taisha Harris, uh, South Carolina. I what I like about her is that she's she's a big point guard. She's I think like five nine or five ten or something like that. People call her, you know, uh, she's a great game manager. Whenever I hear that, I, I it's almost like a backhanded compliment to me because I think, okay, well, she can't score. If she can score and, you know, lead this team, this is a big this is a big year for her because she's given a team that has, you know, this very highly touted uh, recruiting class with all these uh, big-name freshmen on them or what have you. South Carolina is in a position to really reestablish their dominance in the, in the SEC. So she's going to be the leader of that team. She's going to be running that offense, an offense that, as we have touched upon, may struggle in the half court, probably will struggle. So can she step it up as a scorer, and can she continue to, you know, show uh, leadership? I mean, that's you can't really quantify it, but if South Carolina finishes finishes strong, they, they, if they, for example, say if South Carolina wins the SEC, it's going to be really tough to write Taisha Harris out of the narrative as that team's leader and as that team's primary point guard. You know, especially when that team is so post-oriented, as it seems like they've always been. But, yeah, I'm going to be looking at her. You know, probably not ever going to be a first-round prospect, but as a quote-unquote game manager, you could do a lot worse. Uh, she takes great care of the ball. She seems like a good on-ball defender. And she's always, you know, always leaving it all on the floor. So I think she's got a lot of that, that dirt, those intangibles that coaches love. Uh, so if we can see a little bit more of the of the scoring, and maybe some more leadership, then uh, I think she's in a position to rise. Yeah, I mean, fo- football is really what kills the whole game manager thing, right? Because you think of the quarterback, you think of the quarterback that's gonna go. Yeah, it's gonna go like ten for twenty-two for a hundred yards. We've got yards. one of those in Chicago. <laughs> yeah, as you're well aware. <laughs> yeah, you know, with Harris, like, so, so I mean, I guess, like, like as we stand today, like, what do you think is like a range for her, though? Uh, I, she's got to be second round. Yeah, second round. Uh. Who's who's who? Who would be a, a good destination in the second round? My draft board is not fifteen to eighteen, maybe, maybe, maybe even lower. Like it's the, it's the, it's the offense, it's the shooting, it's the scoring that that uh, that I think I'm I'm still because I mean she's got the body, she's got the height, and she's obviously got the uh, the ball handling and uh, and ball security, right? So you know, is is her three point shot improved? If so, I think she's going to rise. If not, eh. Mid second, early second maybe. I don't know. This isn't this isn't the strongest. I mean, it depends on what what other point guards come out, right? Yeah, I mean that that could really be a is is like is Destiny Slocum going to declare for the draft? Uh, right. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah. Slocum, Ari McDonald. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then Christy, Crystal Dangerfield, who obviously be in that mid first round range. I'm sure that's a player we'll get to plenty at a later date. But after that, like if you're looking for a point guard in the second round. You know, if I can you do better than Harris right now? I don't. I don't think so. Well, well, the play, the player I'm about to bring up, I think, is a pretty interesting. Uh, oh, okay, all right, almost all alternative. Right. But to to finish on Harris, like I like I think the tough thing is if you just look at like you know if you try to project you know like what's she gonna be and you know to kind of be like the table setting point guard if that's kind of what you're gonna do then. You know, one like the three point shot. I think that just like it has to be there, as you met. So you mentioned that that'll be a really important thing. And 
and it also just like really depends on the makeup of the team. You know, if you're talking about a second rounder, maybe trying to steal some minutes off the bench, you know, you really need a team that really wants that out of their point guard where, you know, and looking at draft site right now, they currently have one of the, the one I'm looking at has her going to Seattle at 19, who, you know, I, I could see it. Yeah. Yeah. They, you know, they bring Whitcomb and Mosqueda Lewis off the bench and they're running them off the screens. You know, that's, that's kind of the, that's, that's not bad actually. That's, that's, that's a good uh, projection. So my, so my guard, you know, not, not necessarily like calling him a sleeper. So like if you're, you know, the big Ty Harris and my players, Taya Cooper, if you're a big Taya Cooper, you know, supporter, we're not, you know, trying to pretend we were in on her, in on them before you. Uh, <laughs> but I think, you know, Cooper with, with Baylor is really interesting because you know, we did it with Chloe Jackson where it's like, oh, you know, she's she hasn't played point guard before. And, you know, it's, how's she going to handle it? And it was, it was always really strange to me because it's like, you know, whatever the line is, like, obviously, you know, Jackson and obviously Cooper, like, they're good enough where it's not like, it's not they don't know how to dribble, you know. That's where, like, if I think of, like, if you're going to talk about, like, someone never playing point guard before, I would say, like, if, unless the team can just trap you and you're just going to, like, you know, totally just, like, you know, spaz out and turn it over a bunch of times, like, you, I don't think you really have to worry about that. And obviously Baylor's going to be really good, but I think the thing with Cooper that is so interesting is she can just really get to the basket. And that's, I think, something that will even translate nicely to the next level and, Similarly, I think there's, you know, some prove it to the jumper, but, you know, it's a heck of a, like, what a, what a break for Baylor to get this level of a player as a grad transfer and, and for her to have the timing, you know, to, to be able to, you know, slide in with the reigning champs. I mean, it's not, Baylor is never a bad situation for guards, right? I mean, you just, okay, if you're stuck, give it to the, give it to the person who's six foot six. You know, but it, it could be good for her. You know, it, that could be good for her as a point guard, because you know Chloe Jackson's main selling point was, oh well, she's versatile now. That obviously didn't uh, didn't really please Chicago. Uh, but with, with Taya Cooper, she does have the the talent. The um, I don't want to say the pedigree. She has played at several Power Five schools bef- uh, before. All that honestly, might it be? I, I don't pretend to be privy to all the details, but. I I think right now people have to be at least wary of that. Again, I don't know. Um, but going into Baylor, where they have had success, uh, maybe maybe just a little bit of, bit of success, uh, turning off guards into point guards. And if she can, you know, run the team, you talk about her getting to the basket, right? If she can get up some of those secondary statistics a little bit, you know, I, I feel pretty safe in predicting she's going to beat out her assist total from last year. Um, and I, I think she's the type of player who uh, is going to help with their pace a lot. You know, they like to pressure the ball. They like to, you know, force a lot of turnovers. I think she's going to fit in great on defense, specifically. So even just playing for Baylor itself, even if she doesn't put up, like, all-American numbers, just playing for that program and that system alongside the rest of that talent, that could be good for her. I think the interesting thing with Baylor is, you know, look at the season Jackson had and – it was like, oh, well, you know, she, you know, she's always been this mid-range shooter. Like, what's, what's she, you know, and it was, again, it was like kind of just this very static conversation about what, you know, diff, the, you know, people kind of fancy a point guard of being. 
Jackson's what they needed because you know what shots were going to be there whenever they wanted, no matter what an opponent did? Is that 15 footer? Like that was always going to be there. So like, yeah. so like, yeah, like it, it worked out pretty well and it made a lot of sense to have a player who like can make a lot of those shots and who's, who's comfortable and has the resolve to like, yeah, like I'm going to, I'm going to live off of this and I'm going to, you know, be steady enough to, to take them as they come. And I think Cooper, you know, one, I think just gives them a little bit more zip going to the rim, which is obviously nice. And, you know, one thing is like, it just, you know, hopefully she doesn't take too many like hard falls crashing the floor. Like I remember a couple last year at South Carolina. Cause I just, I feel like Baylor's just gonna be, you know, swat away most of their competition this year pretty easily. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> so it, possible. yeah. And I like, like, I think like, I think Taylor's or Cooper has, uh, shown that she's like, she's got good vision as a passer too. And I think, you know, she'll, she'll have a lot of fun setting up, uh, Lauren Cox, Melissa Smith, uh, Queen Egbo, uh, Aaron DeGreat, you know, just like run down the line of, of all these players for just little, you know, on little duck-ins and seals and just, you know, they're just, I think they're just going to feast off of that. And, you know, one, like one thing about Baylor too, is like, I hope I'm very, I've become very cognizant of like, I don't want people to look at the stuff that I say and think like, Oh, you know, this guy just cares about three point shooting, you know? Cause I think, that, I think that, cause I, I think that's a place like a lot of basketball people are in. Right. Like, I think like it's, it's become such a big part of the game, but you don't want it to overwhelm people. Right. And I think Baylor is so interesting because I kind of started the season looking at him too much through that lens. Like, Oh, you know, just it's, there won't be enough spacing. And if you're that big and you're that good, with your size, it probably won't matter. And you have like, I, and this is like a credit to Kim Mulkey too. Like, you know, the three, the, the three pieces they relied on, on the perimeter were just like so good at what they had to do. You know, like the stuff they absolutely had to do, you know, they've got juicy Landrum, who's a big time threat from three. They can run some plays for her. And then DD Richards, who might be a player we're talking about this time next year has been like so good. Just like, you know, no one guards her. And yet like, she always is like cutting to the open space, making the high low pass, getting an offensive rebound, cutting to score. And then obviously like Jackson was ended up working out so well in that role and I think it's gonna be a really good year for Cooper too in that role. That's uh that, that that's you made a lot of good points there, sir. I uh the three point shooting may not be there, but it's like again, who cares? If you're bigger and better and faster and stronger, well Okay. You know, like like you go ahead and keep winning every game by sixty points. It's it's not it's not going to be the end-all, be-all for Baylor, certainly. Yeah, and I think one last point on Cooper, and just kind of like on, almost on like guards in general, is, you know, if we start to see more teams have fill, you know, for the most part, if we see more WNBA teams start to fill basically 80 minutes up front with real shooters, which like we saw with your team, so obviously you can speak to this, like, I think that is going to open a lot of doors for more guards where, you know, can they shoot might not be as big of a deal as long as you're good enough at other stuff, like for one, you know, being able to get to the basket. Yeah, that's that's a good point, obviously. And uh, thank God my team did something right, something forward thinking. So I'm very proud to have you mention that in a positive light. <laughs> yeah, that, that, I mean, that made them, that made them really fun to watch. Like, I think like for all the stuff we've talked about, like, you know, this guy's defense and all this stuff, like, I think people totally forgot that like Stephanie Dolson is like an awesome passer. 
and a really good shooter. Like, we're t- totally off the rails here, but like she shot like, I think she shot like fifty three percent on like twos outside the restricted area this year, which is like, that's pretty good. <laughs> Maybe not completely sustainable, but that it's it's a strength and she took advantage of it. So yeah, very proud of Big Mama stuff. Very proud. All right, so hopefully you enjoyed uh, our first podcast in a while. Hopefully you enjoyed the ambient uh, noise of airplanes flying overhead uh, of me and now that I'm back in San Diego here. But uh, Eric recently, as I mentioned earlier, he wrote about on Swish Appeal 20 WNBA draft prospects to watch. So if you haven't already, go over and read that. It can be kind of a good map for you if you're maybe if you're not sure what to watch, especially if maybe you're a little more WNBA leaning and kind of want to know like which players really you should be paying attention to this college season. But Eric, do you, one, uh, do you have anything else to plug? And uh, just remind people what they should be looking out for you in the uh, near future here. Yeah, I mean, you, you kind of said it already. Over at Swish Appeal, I've started doing a, uh, a series. Well, it's going to be a series. The, the first installment was just a little preview, like a table setter of uh, WNBA prospects to be watching. And it is through a WNBA lens. So I'm going to be writing about, hopefully, uh, what the player is good at, you know, where she'll be able to fit in a WNBA team, what are maybe a realistic draft uh, projection would be for her. Uh, and then hopefully a couple of clips, you know, if the NCAA doesn't sue me or, or anything like that, we can get some video going or at least some nice photos. Uh, 20 players, obviously, and, and, and please don't bite my head off like, oh, well, we're, we're so-and-so. Like, she should be on here. She shouldn't be on here. I wanted it to be longer than 20 people, but my editors would not be very happy with me because it's long enough as it is. So we'll see if I can throw in some some further uh, some further commentary there as well. But yeah, check out Swish Appeal, SwishAppeal.com. We'll be having one prospect per week, and also leaning WNBA. We've got some, well, kind of WNBA. We've got some Euroleague coverage as well. Where every Tuesday or Wednesday, uh, I'm gonna be writing a Euroleague weekly preview on who's which WNBA players are doing what overseas in the Euroleague. And uh, maybe some some streaming links as well, so you can watch them while you're at work or something. So keep an eye out for that. I really appreciate the support, and uh, thank you for the following. And you can go follow Eric on Twitter at Nemchak E to uh, keep up with him all all uh, college season here. And and Eric, I guess. So are you telling me if you make a list of twenty, that that means I can't get mad that players twenty one through infinity aren't also on that list too? Uh, well, I haven't done is that. Is that how it works? Yet, so you you can't. Well, if you want to get mad, you can get mad. I mean, it's a free country. Yeah, it's. I just. I just love like poking fun at that. Like, yeah, like when there's a list, like it has to end somewhere. So when, like, when you get down something. to like number twenty, does it really? You know, does it really matter who's listed at number twenty? Who's hypothetically twenty first? You know. Oh, and by the way, by the way, before uh, before I forget, it's not a ranking. It's not a ranking. Okay. So you can't get mad at me for having uh, player X above player Y because I was just throwing it together and that's we'll, we'll get to that when we get to that you know when when it comes to to big board season and mock draft season then we then we can worry about getting mad but uh, let's just keep the peace for now. All right, we are, we're rambling towards our finish here. We'll we'll wrap it up. Eric, thanks for joining us. All right, thanks for having me on, Ben.